text for this morning's message comes from the seventh chapter of the prophet Amos. I invite you uh, to join with me in reading this text, whether you uh, have your Bible in hand or an app, or the text will be up on the screens for us. I'll begin reading at verse 10 of Amos chapter 7. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer, go back to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up and you yourself will die in a pagan country and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. If you go into my office and step over whatever piles of books and papers might be on the floor, I see you out there, Loretta. <coughs> you'll notice the bookcases, and you'll also notice my collection of preachers. I used to love to bring them out. About 10 years, I taught four-year-olds in Bible school, and I would bring my preacher collection in. And it was a way to visualize that God would share God's message through all sorts of people. Young and old, black and white, men and women, some in robes, uh, some dressed very casually. That God might use anyone to accomplish His work. And we meet the prophet Amos. The beginning of the book that bears his name says, The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa. And then in verse 14 of this morning's text, he says, I, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, and I didn't, I just played a prophet on TV. But I was a shepherd. And also I took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me away from tending the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. I wasn't a prophet. I wasn't a part of a prophet's family. I was a shepherd. And in addition to tending sheep, I, I took care of the fig trees. But the Lord took me away. 
you think about it, the murderer Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of nowhere when he encountered God in a burning bush. David was the youngest of Jesse's boys when Samuel anointed him king. Saul was zealous in his persecution of the church when he had his blinding encounter with Christ on his way to Damascus. We look at church history. Francis of Assisi was born into wealth, but gave it all up. Tend to those in need. Augustine led a, a, a life of self-satisfaction until God spoke to him. Luther was a monk who for his entire life fought severe bouts of depression. Yet when he posted his 95 thesis on the Wittenberg door, he would turn the history of the church and indeed Western civilization upside down. William Carey, he was a cobbler, a shoemaker. And God placed His hand upon him, and he would come to be known as the father of modern missions. Charlotte Moon was a school teacher here in Cartersville, Georgia. When she left to go to China, spent her career as a missionary. And through her life and example in writings, would motivate Southern Baptists over generations to give millions to the cause of international missions. A teacher, a cobbler, a monk, a wild teenager, a son of privilege who gave it all up, a persecutor, a son on the lowest rung, and a murderer. All people that God would use. Unexpected people that God would use in unexpected ways. But people, hear me, hear me clearly. It's not just patriarchs and saints and preachers and missionaries that God has plans for. Amos is threatened by Amaziah for threatening the king. And it's interesting that... that the charge that Amaziah makes against Amos, Amos never made that statement. He never made that threat. In fact, twice when God was ready to bring judgment upon the people of Israel, Amos pled on behalf of the people and God relented of his judgment. Why is Amaziah so concerned about the prophecies of Amos? Well, Amaziah was king's priest. He was the priest at the temple in Jerusalem. And what was good for the king would be in Amaziah's best interest. Amaziah didn't need Amos stirring things up. He was quite happy with his position of privilege. 
How do you gain that position of privilege? More importantly, how do you keep it? By telling the king what he wants to hear. Uh, Side note here, folks. You can read this passage from long ago Israel and recognizing, recognize that even back then, when government and religion get too mixed up, the outcome's never good. Just not good. So, Amaziah doesn't want the, king's un- the king unhappy because if the king un- is unhappy, well, ain't nobody happy. Or at least nobody's safe. <coughs> Excuse me. So he says to Amos, get out of town. Go back to Judah. Earn your bread there. Do your prophesying there. Not here. Not in my town. And Amos says, look, I I wasn't a prophet or son of a prophet. I was a shepherd. I was a shepherd. I didn't ask for this job, but God took me from tending the flock and gave me a message Folks, you may not feel qualified to do what God asks you to do, but God will qualify you. You may not feel equipped to do what God has asked you to do, but God will equip you. You may not know what to say, but God will give you the words. You may not know what to do, but God will show you what needs to be done. You may not see a way, but God will make a way. Remember the the passage that Dolores read earlier? The familiar story of the Good Samaritan? That Samaritan was just a businessman going about his business. When he saw someone in need, and responded to that need. Can you imagine the expression on his face if he were here today, 2,000 years later, and knew that that story had been told over and over and over and over again, and had motivated thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people to reach out, to take risks, and to make a difference in the lives of others? God works in unexpected people in unexpected ways. It was roughly this time of year, 34 years ago, when a group of folks began to dream and to pray and to work to plant a new church in Kennesaw. Billy Ray and Dolores were here then. I don't know what being a school teacher and a banker, how that qualifies you to be a church starter. But they felt like God was leading them to be a part 
of starting a new church. And when God's call came, they said yes. Now, they thought they would just be there a couple of years and then go on and start another church. And 34 years later almost, they're still here. Now along the way, y'all have probably helped start three or four different churches that have just been called Townview uh, along the way. This week, uh, we received in the office a, a request for a letter, uh, for a church letter for Jerry and Faith Jansen. They've moved back to Birmingham and have rejoined Dawson Memorial Baptist Church, Faith's home church, the church where they were married. But that made me think about uh, Jerry as a successful banker and businessman one day hearing a plea from the pulpit that we needed, we needed somebody to teach four-year-olds in Sunday school. Jerry had zero qualifications to teach preschoolers, except he'd had two. And he wasn't convinced he'd done a very good job with them. But he loved his church, and he knew that his church needed somebody to teach four-year-olds. But he said, I can do that. And over 20 years of Sundays, Mr. Jerry would be down the hall teaching four- and five-year-olds in Sunday school. I look out here at Lockie Jones. Lockie came to Kennesaw from Kenya. I still can't get my head around how God brings people from places like Kenya to Kennesaw. Of all the places in the United States, Kennesaw? But Lockie came for a conference and she realized that she had an opportunity here that she could help bring her children to a better life. Now, some of you know the story that when she first started, uh, she found our church. We were still meeting in trailers. <coughs> Excuse me. And for seven or eight weeks, she would come at night, Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and walk around the trailers praying. Because her experience in Kenya was that churches that met in trailers worshiped the devil. And she, so she came and prayed the devil out. And she finally came. God brought Lockie, a civil servant in Kenya, to Kennesaw and made her a missionary to the world. And from Kennesaw, she got involved with the Builders for Christ team and made trips across the U.S. with construction missions. And through that, got in, introduced to construction missions in Central and South America, and from there, I've lost track of how many countries God has sent her to to share the gospel. <coughs> Excuse me. Of course, her most productive mission field is still Walmart over on Chastain Meadows. Billy Ray and Dolores heard God's calling. Jerry saw a need. Lockie had a vision.
We've had a hard time keeping up with the grass and the weeds around the building this year. Um, volunteers are, we're doing our best, but with the rain, and I still can't figure out why crabgrass grows faster than any other grass, but it does. You know, and, and grass and weeds are, they're not very inviting. Uh, and some folks will see them and, and get concerned. Some folks will see them and complain, but Marie Black and Nancy and Nola Hall saw it and said, you know, we can do something about that. And so some days when they get off work, after a day of taking care of babies and other nurses in the NICU at Kennestone, on their way home, they stop and they pull weeds and they put out pine straw. And when the cold front came in yesterday, uh, Marie took opportunity to come and mow. They saw a need and they said, you know, why can't I do that? And, and they've done it. God, folks, I, I tell you these stories of people that we know because it's people just like you and me that God wants to use. Anna shared a tort story in Deacon's meeting this morning about a benevolence call that she received. She made the mistake of calling the person back while she was at work and said, can you tell me some of your story? And 30 minutes later, the lady was still telling her her story. It was a hard story. Hard story. But when they finished, the lady just said, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to me. Folks, we can all listen. We can all listen. Amos was just tending the flock and looking after the fig trees. What might God have for you to do? The first thing we have to do is listen for God's voice. I, I'm convinced that God is still speaking. Now, we've got a lot of background noise that we've got to filter out. But God is still speaking if we'll but listen. And reflecting on Moses' encounter on the backside of nowhere, Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pick blackberries. God's still speaking for those who have ears to listen. We listen for God's voice and sometimes we just have to look around and see what needs to be done. Some of us are real good at looking around and seeing something that somebody else can do. There are a lot of those folks out there. But what we need is for more of us to be ready to look around and say, you know, I can do that. I can do that. 
See what needs to be done. See what your neighbor needs. See if your child's teacher needs some encouragement. See if your church needs some help. And I would take Amos's example and, and I would remind you that you can always expect misunderstanding, if not outright opposition. There'll be those that'll think you've lost your mind for giving up that much time to help somebody that can't do anything in return for you. There'll be those that'll think, oh, he's throwing away his money giving it to that church. There are those who will think that you're doing for the wrong reasons. But listen for God's voice. See what needs to be done. But don't expect everybody to applaud your efforts. And finally, I would say, as you experience God's unexpected ways of reaching out to you as an unexpected servant, to rely on God. He'll guide you. He'll protect you. He'll provide for you. And He'll bless you. Those are the things that God can and will do for us. As He reaches out to us wherever life has us, whatever our field is that we're tending. Listen. Look. And simply say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and we thank you again for your great love for us. God, help us to not ever just say, well, I'm just. We're never just. We're your children. And you've called us to serve you. So God, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, help us to listen for your voice. To look for opportunities to serve. To rely upon you. To be faithful your leadership. But we pray in Jesus' name.